Welcome to Life on the Brink, a lovely little place filled with inspiration and creativity that is dedicated to enjoying life one day at a time. I'm Anna, and together we're exploring the beautiful things in this world that fascinate us, and often discovering something new. episode three of Life on the Brink. Before I get started, I just want to say thank you to anyone who has reached out to me, uh, whether online or in person, um, and told me how much you enjoyed this little podcast. Uh, It means a lot to me that someone else has actually listened to it and got something out of it, and uh, that's just really satisfying to me, so thank you. And um, if you haven't and you'd like to, go ahead and leave a review uh, on wherever you're listening to this. It really means a whole lot. Thank you so much. (laughs) This is just like the very beginning of something and any bit of support has just really (laughs) made my day many times in a day sometimes. And before we jump into today's topic, which I'm very excited about, um, I just wanted to say that there is a lot going on that's uh that can be overwhelming in the world right now um there's a lot of tension and there's a lot of opinions um flying around <laughs> and sometimes it can be difficult to know what is the right action to take and i certainly don't have all the answers <laughs> but i would just encourage anyone who's listening to take a couple minutes today and um, reach out to someone. Reach out to someone who might be going through a hard time right now uh, because of any, uh, just pick one of the crises that are ongoing and um, have a conversation with someone. Maybe their view is different than yours. And I think it's very important, especially right now, to be able to discuss differing opinions and be able to express ourselves with empathy and with kindness. So just take, uh, take a second to maybe examine um, your heart and think about how you can reach out in kindness today. I think a little bit of that would go so far right now. And with that, let's get into today's topic. Today we're diving into the wonderful and delicious and sometimes tedious world of recipe development. This is something that has intimidated me for a really long time, but today we're breaking it down and sort of demystifying it because it's actually really simple and very satisfying. Today we're going to talk about why you should even think about recipe development if you enjoy cooking and also three simple steps to help break it down to create your own repertoire of signature recipes. So step one, um, I love cooking, and this is probably more interesting if you (laughs) like cooking as well. And I think um, there's been a big increase this year in people learning to cook and needing to cook for themselves when you can't go anywhere. So maybe you're in that boat, or you're someone who loves cooking already. Um, That's my situation. I'm just going to start there. Uh, I love to cook and bake. 
Uh, I'll give you a little backstory. When I was like 12, I think, was when I really discovered my love of cooking. It was kind of around the time that Ratatouille was released, which that's a whole separate post and episode because my, my intense love of the film Ratatouille. But anyway, I really just fell in love with cooking and baking, and it's only grown over the second half of my life. Um, And if you're like me, you might have a few recipes that you like going back to, but you notice that you change them a little every time. Or sometimes you just see what's in the fridge and you go for it. I like to pretend that I'm on Chopped and I've been like presented with the ingredients and it's just what happens to be in the fridge that day. I find that cooking is like jazz and I, I relate a lot of things to jazz, but you'll just go with me. Uh, it's like jazz in that once you learn the framework of, you know, the kitchen and the ingredients and certain roles that they can play, you're able to improvise, much like learning chords and structures and things. And then you just, you know, you go for it. You have the tools and you can improvise and you can make new flavors and new combinations, new dishes on the spot. That is super freeing. And I think it makes a lot of experiences in the kitchen really fun. Uh, you can become more and more proficient in making things up and it actually tasting really nice. <laughs> like it came from a recipe. So first we should ask, why is recipe development even worth doing if we can just improvise and have all this fun all the time? First and foremost, and probably the most important, I would say, is to make something replicable. Because if you made something really delicious, you want to make it again, I would think. There's a technique in jazz called transcription, and it exists in a lot of music and lots of other things. But in jazz, it's basically where you listen to someone's improvised solo, even if it's your own solo, and you just listen to it over and over, and you figure out what they made up in that moment, and you write it down, and then you can theoretically practice it and recreate that solo that someone else made on the spot with the tools that they had. And that's basically how I think about recipe development. (laughs) You can create an amazing dish one time, but if you work out the exact ingredients and the timings and the ratios over time, you can write it down and create a recipe, which is basically a transcription of the dish that you made, (laughs) so that you and others can experience that same thing. I've always been intimidated with developing my own recipes, especially when it comes to baking, because that's a bit more of a science. And I would go through my stacks of cookbooks or cooking magazines, and I would just be astounded. Like, did all these ingredients and these techniques and everything just come, like, from someone's brain from nothing? Well, yes and no. If you've ever watched a season of British Bake Off, and if you have not, please do that. There's many seasons on Netflix. It's a great time. You'll notice that the contestants will sometimes mention the fact that their particular recipe is actually a family recipe, or it was like their nan's old recipe for whatever cake, and they've kind of tweaked it, and they've kind of adapted it, but it's their recipe now? Like, is that cheating? Well, no, because actually it turns out that most recipes you find today are somehow adapted from a previous recipe. Maybe not the whole thing, but like at least elements of it most of the time I've already existed in someone else's recipe, even if it was for a slightly different dish. 
What makes them original is the process of developing it, adjusting it here and there until it's exactly the way that you want it to be. So it's not actually the case that every single ingredient and technique and everything has to come only from your brain and your own personal experience. Rather, it's the combination of your experience and someone else's that sort of creates an original fusion. So whether you've made something really cool with limited ingredients in your pantry, you know, if it's not time to go to the grocery store <laughs> during quarantine or whatever, or you want to uh, find a way to recreate something. I remember <laughs> one of the last times I was in Disney World, I was just taking pictures of all the menus outside the restaurants that were too expensive for me to go to. So I was like, I'm going to just cook this when I get home. I have yet to do that. However, I have <laughs> pictures of all the menus. And I thought, well, I could research it, I could look at it, and I could find my own way to do it. Well, you could try that, or if you have had any other successful kind of experimentation, why not develop it into a real recipe? Secondly, I'll say that it's a good idea because aside from making a delicious experience replicable, recipe development also hones your culinary skills. Uh, again, going back to jazz, transcription does this as well. I was actually <laughs> assigned many of them while I was studying music in college and it just makes your ear more, uh, it sharpens it and it, it, it works on your handwriting or whatever you're using to write the music. You just have to listen and you, you learn a lot and it helps you actually play better. So in the same way, developing a recipe through trial and error really hones your skills so you kind of understand why you would go about cooking a certain way it makes you more adept in the kitchen so you can improvise even more and finally in case you need a little bit more persuading i just personally love the idea of developing a repertoire of signature recipes because it can leave a sort of culinary legacy for posterity um, i have this dream where my children's children and beyond will recall me as their grandmother who would hopefully go into her lush garden and get the you know the beginning of summer vegetables and make the inaugural pot of that year's ratatouille i told you i have a thing with ratatouille i can talk about it <laughs> in in greater detail later but that's a particular thing i have and i thought i'm gonna have a recipe for lots of stuff and just be known in my family and the people that are important to me and perhaps beyond as someone who has like original recipes so people can replicate it and feel taken care of even if I'm not there. So if it sounds good to you and you're ready to get into it, let's do this. Three steps to developing your own recipe. Number one is research look at existing recipes. So if this is your instance where you've taken <laughs> pictures of menus around Disney World, you would look up whatever this cut of meat is or what the dessert is and see who has made it before. Or if you have kind of created something and you're like, well, this is sort of a strange pasta dish or something and you, but you kind of want to emulate something you've seen, you Google it. And then you just read lots of different recipes. You can compare ratios and cooking techniques. I remember I was um, 
I wanted to make a Victoria sponge cake for my birthday in April. And I was comparing a couple different places. I mean, Mary Berry's, of course, and then some other um, online sites and things like that. Or I was like, okay, these are some different ratios. What do I want to combine to make the one that I'm going to make? And you can look and see if um, more complex dishes have a common ingredient. Uh, it, that might be a little bit odd. I recommend going to chefs that you trust, like <laughs> the classics, Julia Child, um, any Iron Chef there ever was. Does anyone remember Iron Chef? And then I'm also subscribed to Fine Cooking Magazine, and I'm a fan of Bon Appetit Magazine. Uh, it's really interesting as opposed to, say, food blogs, which are also great, and I love them. When you're developing and you want to learn you know, the basics of a dish, I would recommend going to a book or a, a, a sort of publication because all those recipes had to go through a real development development process. It wasn't um, like someone's first go at something and then they post it. Like it has to go through a long process to make it into a real published book or magazine. So I would recommend going to a trustworthy source or two and comparing things. Something else that I like to do if the source is online is to check the comments section. Every time I bake anything really, I look into the comments to see if someone has altered it somehow. Or they're like, oh, I found that this temperature was too hot and I did it at, you know, a little bit lower but a little bit longer in the oven and people uh, subbed certain ingredients or omitted things. And I'll decide what alterations I want to make to try and improve it. The name of the game is your originality here. So how do you want to change it? This is where your flavor comes in. Step two is to test the recipe. You can either go about this two different ways. You can write your test recipe, exactly what you're going to do, and then alter it as you go. Or don't start with a, <laughs> with a recipe and just write down everything that you do as you do it, as you cook. You can even take pictures. This is really your first go around where you're putting previous recipes or ideas up to the test. And the important thing is by the end of your first test to have something written down, whether you wrote it beforehand and just altered it or whether you sort of sketched it out the first time that you made it. That's pretty simple. So the third step is to modify. And this is really the heart of the whole project. I would recommend altering things slowly, kind of one at a time, because if there's too many variables between one go at a recipe and the second, it can be hard to know what to change and what really altered it. Again, especially if you're baking, because it's a whole chemical reaction. If you decide you don't want to use a specific ingredient or you want to take it out or you want to adjust the flavor or the texture somehow, you can try subbing that ingredient for another. It's just important to consider why that ingredient was there. What role did it play in the dish? So if you're going to substitute it, you know, did it, was it naturally salty? So it brought a level of salt and without it, you'll need to compensate with more salt or, you know, how is this going to affect the dish? And if that role or that flavor is important to you, what can you do to 
replace it. Or you can just abandon that whole ingredient and go in a different direction. That's up to you. So as you keep modifying and testing your dish, it's going to get more and more refined. And I think the trickiest thing for me is knowing, writing down like how long something will take. So you might even set a timer as soon as you add an ingredient to the pot or whatever, and you watch it and you think, okay, how many minutes does it actually take for these onions to caramelize or whatever the process is? And of course, not everyone is going to have your cookware and your stove or your oven, but being specific with baking times, with cooking times, with times to marinate, just knowing how long each step will take really alters the ingredients and can change the outcome of the dish. But I think it's something that can sometimes be overlooked. We're like, okay, what are the ingredients? What do I do to them? But the time is really important. So just make note of that. An important thing to remember in this is that you will have to accept imperfection. Uh, This is a process. It's called development because it is being developed. And even though hopefully most of the little modifications and outcomes will be tasty it might not be exactly the way you want it every time that's the whole point of it is finding out okay well this is almost it but i missed this element of it and then you modify it don't get so hard on yourself if it doesn't turn out perfectly the first time maybe don't put pressure on it like don't be planning to bring it to a special occasion if you're if you have really high standards and you want it to be perfect you know It is a process and it will take a little bit of time. Ina Garten said in an interview that she will test her recipes for her cookbooks anywhere between 10 and 20 times. And some recipes, I think she said Boston cream pie, I think it was, still hasn't made it into her cookbook because it just hasn't been quite right. And of course, she has a reputation to uphold (laughs) much more than we do. But still, like that's a lot of testing. So it might take a few tries, but probably each one is still going to be pretty yummy. So (laughs) not a huge loss there. Eventually, though, through a process of refining, you'll end up with a real original recipe. Ta-da! It gives me such a sense of satisfaction to have someone try an original recipe of mine and to be able to enjoy it themselves. Like I said before, it's kind of a way I feel like I can take care of someone through food even if I'm not cooking it for them I just gave them the tools to be able to enjoy that experience themselves it's really very cool and sometimes I have developed something so that at least you know my family members or my friends they they know when they see that they're like oh this is Anna's lemon cookies or ratatouille these are ones that I have I'm very proud of now And it's really fun to feel like I know my way in a kitchen well enough that I'll put my name on this dish that you're about to eat. (laughs) It's been very exciting and I highly, highly recommend it. I'm going to go ahead and give you a couple examples of some different ways that I've developed a couple recipes, how it came about to just sort of spark some creativity. So this past winter, sort of late winter, I made a smoothie one day. It was kind of inspired, I think, by a couple little things I'd had. I had a tropical smoothie once. Like, they put cinnamon in a smoothie, and I was like, oh, I kind of like that. And then some other drinks where I've seen, like, a lot of combinations of ginger 
and lemon and that's you know nice for your immune system so i made this smoothie and it was just like carrots and orange and lemon and ginger and i don't remember everything that was in it but i was like this is delicious but it could be a little bit better the texture here and there and so i wrote it down and i've made it uh several times since then and now i have it refined into a really nice like immune system boosting delicious orange smoothie and I'm probably going to make a post about it so keep your eye out on the blog. So that's an example of just sort of throwing things together and then refining it. On the other hand I mentioned these lemon cookies. Um, ah gosh there was a little like a Christmas magazine brought to you by Lando Lakes Butter that I got probably 10 plus years ago in like a store somewhere and there was a recipe for a lemon pecan some kind of cookie and I've made these things more than I've probably baked anything else in my life because when I was a teenager I just loved having a reputation for these lemon cookies and I slowly altered it I omitted the nuts I, I like checked out the ratios eventually I added a little bit of I think milk to the dough and it just I, I refined it and now they're like delicious and I can make them so quickly and I feel like this is an original baking recipe of mine so that's just an example of adapting a pre-existing recipe now they're like pretty they're completely different from the ones that were in this magazine but they're still great and lastly an example of something that I wanted to recreate from like a restaurant. Um, recently, I went to a really nice place in the area with Josh for brunch and I got their shrimp and grits. And I, well, I love shrimp and grits, but I've gone to a couple places now where instead of like creamy grits, they'll put like a grit cake with some kind of sauce or in this case, a broth around it. And I was like, this is delicious. So I, I, kind of made a riff on it with that little polenta pre-cooked polenta log that you can get at least at Trader Joe's with seared slices of that polenta with a sort of um pepper sh uh, shrimp and the instead of andouille sausage I had like kielbasa and I made a broth with wine instead of beer because we had wine and oh my gosh it was delicious and I did write it down and it's in the process I don't think like it's not nearly refined enough but I was like this is delicious and kind of a modification on an elevated version of the classic shrimp and grits and it's just been so fun it helps to de-stress because these are stressful times and I think provides a really cool project that is not only delicious in its development but is very very satisfying so if you have an original recipe or you're developing something i want to know about it leave a comment on the show notes of this post and let me know how it's turning out in addition i'm also going to be sharing a couple links uh some from bon appetit and food 52 on developing recipes in like test kitchens i found them very very fascinating so check out the show notes for some links and also for some pictures of some of the things that i have mentioned here today so i hope you're inspired i hope you try a recipe yourselves and you have fun doing it 
Now I'll be right back for this week's Little Joy. So, of course, when I do a podcast episode about recipes and about cooking, it, it's only natural that this week's Little Joy has to do with food. <laughs> this past Saturday, I was able to go to the farmer's market in Williamsburg, which is probably my favorite one. I Well, yeah, it's my favorite one because it's in Williamsburg. And I had not been since early March. We went like the one week that it was open before everything shut down. But this Saturday, I went with Josh. And you did have to enter a certain way. You did have to wear masks. It was It was different, but it was still so wonderful. And I went with the intent of finding ingredient. Well, first of all, finding croissants because they're amazing. But also to find fresh vegetables ingredients specifically to make this year's first pot of ratatouille and oh boy did i find them i went to a couple different stalls and i got the best of the best my ratatouille is made with eggplant and zucchini and yellow squash and tomato so josh and i got our produce and our croissants and we went to the cheese shop and then we sat outside and had little iced coffees and ate our croissants and it was oh my gosh it was everything that i dreamed about while i was locked in my house for months it was wonderful and then a couple of nights ago i did make the pot of ratatouille and be on the lookout because i know i'm about to post a whole separate blog post specifically about this ratatouille and my love of both the movie and the dish <laughs> so this little joy was kind of twofold and it was kind of a big joy but Oh gosh, it just meant so much to me. It was wonderful. <laughs> and of course, I can't finish this episode without sharing this week's playlist, which I made specifically to cook to. <laughs> it's a combination of tracks from soundtracks of three of my favorite films, which are, of course, Ratatouille, along with Julie and Julia, and Chocolat. Um, it's about 30 minutes. And it is, I think, a good progression of tracks. You just put it on and you cook and the food will taste happy. So <laughs> look for that in the blog post show notes. It, there's a little Spotify link. And have fun cooking. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for reaching out and telling me that you've enjoyed it. I would love to know your thoughts. I would love to know what you're cooking, how you're handling uh, this summer. It's a little bit different. Uh, so head over to the blog on annaperkinsmusic.com slash life on the brink, where you can find show notes for all of these in addition to little extra posts here and there. And again, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, please leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on, or even better, leave a review. Or even better, share it with someone who you think would enjoy it. Until next time, friends, you are lovely. Have a great week. Bye.